You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Can you guys imagine the day that somewhere in social media there appears a magic bollocks one? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Like, <laughs> magic bollocks 12. <laughs> Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. This week we are here. We are talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. We're on episode three. I can't believe it. We're already there. Uh, I, I have to say that uh, this is the episode I've been waiting for. Like I didn't know what was yes. going to happen in this episode, but after watching it, this is the episode I was waiting for. So. <laughs> I want to get into the broader conversation, but Mitch, what do you mean? Is it just because of the location? What are we talking about? Uh, I just felt like we have like the essential players all in the same room. I was I was really looking forward to Zemo and Sharon Carter showing up. So, uh, and we got to visit Madripoor. Like Madripoor yep. is a huge part of uh, X Men and Wolverine. Like, not that I'm a huge Wolverine fan, but it's a big part of the Marvel universe that we don't get to go to. <laughs> So, with that being said, first we're going to get into our week's watch. So, Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? Uh, this week we picked back up our uh, Oscar nomination viewing and watched Nomadland, which I Nomad. wanted to like. Ooh. I did not care for it. There is Ooh. no story. There's there's literally no story. It's kind of like it's the equivalent of watching somebody wake up in the morning, go to work, come home, eat dinner and go to bed. I I feel like that's there's always one Oscar nomination that is that. There's always yeah. one movie that's just not about nothing on there. Y- yeah. So, <laughs> so was it slice of life in a bad way? I don't know what the main thrust of Nomadland like. What's the the purpose I mean, that validates the rest of it? I don't know that it was slice of life. It is. Yeah, it's slice of life in a bad way. I, the whole premise of the movie is we open up with our main character living in a van already, working at Amazon at Christmas time, and like gig work. And then her friend tells her to go to Quartzsite for a living in a van life hmm. meetup convention. convention. Essentially. Mm. And then we watch her work some gig work in mm. the Badlands and across South Dakota. And then she makes her way over to California. And then it ends, she's back at Quartzsite the following year. Interesting. And, have, have, have any of you guys been to Quartzsite? Did you feel a connection here? I mean, it was. it was... If it was not filmed in Quartzsite, it was. They did a really good set job. Okay. Yeah, I looked, <laughs> up, I looked up some of the trivia. Like, there's one scene where they go to the Quartzsite Yacht Club. Now, if yeah. you know anything about Quartzsite, there's no water. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But so that's the joke, and uh, it says that they actually got locals to be in there uh, for that scene, which was interesting. Okay. I had no yeah. idea this movie was filmed just an hour away from where we live. Exactly. 
so no, it was definitely like it was very clearly quartzite, and it was somewhat of a. I mean, really, I think it was a an attempt at commentary on free market economics and the housing bubble of 08. Because the movie does take yeah. place in 2012. Yeah. Oh. oh and okay. you get some backstory that this, that our main character played by Francis McDormand played by Frank. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's our main protagonist is Francis McDormand. And then the kind of love interest, not love interest. Secondary, uh, Main character, yeah, is yeah. played by David Strahan. Strahan, you, mm. you you see him, if you see his face, you know who he is. Uh, you just might not know his name. Uh, good night and good luck was a big movie for him. Uh, the TV show Alphas was a <clears throat> yeah. He was the main uh, guy, like putting the alphas together. Oh, the prof- the gray haired Professor X guy. Correct. Yeah. God, uh. I like that. I like that actor a lot. Yeah. <laughs> alphas <is good>. So. <laughs> Yeah, so, but, so you get the backstory in little snippets, but mostly unaffecting, that she was married, her husband was a miner in a mining town, that's all that it did. Literally, it's a town that was owned by the mining company. It, yeah, like it was the a company in, town. Yeah, the, ho- the houses in that town were, were owned by the mining company, and when it dried up, everybody but, had to leave. Yep. And her husband yeah. died of cancer, apparently, rel- relatively close to before the movie starts. Mm-hmm. There really isn't any flashbacks. You don't really get any of that story other than her just kind of saying it to people. Mm-hmm. But there's no character development. There's no love interest. There's no journey. There's no. It, it just kind of exists. So I didn't really care for it. It was just kind of, it felt very half-baked. Honestly, what you're describing so far sounds like award season movies. Like, I... Yeah. I think the biggest problem that Elizabeth is having is that there is no arc. There's no real story. It's just Mm -hmm. a year in the life of this person that lives the nomad life. And they talk a lot about the nomad life. There's... Uh, there's interviews. Not it's not so much interviews because it's this. It's not shot shot like a documentary or anything. But it's conversations. It's conversations, and the main guy that's that's kind of the leader. So like the de facto leader of the nomad life, uh, Bob <laughs> Swells. He didn't even know that Francis McDormand was an actress. So like he just thought they were filming a thing. So like a lot of the really? people in this, yeah, a lot of yeah. people in this were just people that lived that life, lived and, the nomad lifestyle, yeah, and were in the movie with her, yeah. That's pretty cool. It was basically like a fictionalized documentary, but it didn't... But even calling it a documentary doesn't feel right because it doesn't really get into much about that. It it just is very surface level on that nomad lifestyle. So it was just... It left me wanting something more. I needed Mm -hmm. something. Because I love a good documentary. And I'd be interested in a documentary about the nomad lifestyle and why people choose it and those, but none of that was here. Gotcha. Hmm. So that's too bad. Honestly, like there, there are things about that where it sounds like it sparked your interest and in looking into that further. And then also 
showing you some of those people actually just living there. There's yeah. a lot of implications to it that I think only become more interesting if you look past the actual movie itself. So, so I don't know if it did its job in that regard. It's also something to mention that it's based on a nonfiction book, Nomadland by Jessica Bruder. So I assume this just means it was a year out of her life and they just mm-hmm. straight adapted it instead of putting a story in there. I mean, that's fair. Well, what what is it? Um, was it uh, Into the Wild was an adaptation of that man's real journal. But there's an obvious arc in how things ended for him. Right. Well, and the Into the Wild book also has an arc. Like, there, yeah. <laughs> there is an actual storyline to it. And so, yeah, this just felt very... Are you thinking of Call of the Wild? Call of the Wild? Or are you thinking of Into the Wild? Where the guy... Into the Wild. Into the yeah. Wild. Okay. okay. Uh, Emil Hirsch with Emil eats Hirsch. some poison berries. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just thought I didn't know that there was a arc in the book. I had never read it. Hey, I just assumed wait, it was which, his diary. Which is the one where Reese I Witherspoon goes hiking? That's that's something wild. It, the wild also lands? wild, right? Yeah. No, I had to read that book for freshman year of college. Mm. That makes sense. That would have been like around the kind of time when it was really popular too. So yeah, it was the book you had to read before starting your freshman year. So that that was okay. what the orientation class was all about. Oh, it was just wild. That's it. Oh, just wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want it to the, the title of the movie to have been wild. I want the title to have been just just wild. wild. <laughs> <laughs> Only wild. But yeah, so that was Nomadland. I don't know where, or Hulu is where we saw it, right? We watched it on Hulu. Um, that was directed by Chloe Zhao, and it's not Zhao, it's Zhao? Yes. Z-H makes the J sound. So, Zhao. Uh, she is going to be the director of The Eternals coming later this year for Marvel. Ooh. And so people knew that it's out there. Did you at least like how it's directed, if you didn't like the story, like... I mean, I guess I probably did. I, okay. It's me. I don't... How things are shot, what the color palettes are, don't really... Unless it's really bad, I don't mm-hmm. notice it. It's never something I pick up on. So I am the last person to ask. I don't know, yeah. Mitch, did you enjoy the way it was directed? I have issue with a lot of the different types of angles. Because she... Oh, Either she or her director of photography decides they need to get really up close and impersonal with the uh, with people. So they have to they they do a lot of upward looking shots from like underneath people's chins, so to speak. That's so, never nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they do it in a much professional, more professional, better looking than than cell phone pictures. But like, it just. I don't care for really extreme close-ups in movies. Like, I don't need someone's face to be four feet wide on my big screen TV. So yeah. that's that's like one of the issues I used to have with our local news. Like when they first went to all virtual, like they would they'd be so zoomed in. I'm like, I don't need that person in my living room. Like, it doesn't need to be that personal. Uh, but yeah, like other than that, it's it's all very it's all very desaturated. It the whole movie mm. for especially like going from different areas that they went mm-hmm. from South Dakota to Quartzsite. Like one of the things we know of, we're known for in Arizona is our you know um, sunsets and stuff like that. Yeah. So why not feature that? 
uh, but yeah. everything looked the same. Like the whole, and maybe that's a commentary. Maybe the whole it's saying that the whole country looks the same. Like we we are all the same in the same situation. But it to me was just all very drab. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's right. Nomadland is on Hulu. <laughs> and, that's, and that's one that's included with your normal subscription for Hulu. Correct. Yeah. You don't have to have okay. one of the premium, their premium channels to, or add on channels for that. Okay. Steven, what did you watch this week? I watched a thing that I was trying to push for us doing as a week's watch. Um, that can't happen now because now I'm, I'm in, you guys would already be behind <laughs> finger snap. Uh, so yeah, I, I watched Made for Love on HBO Max. Nice. Um, it has uh, oh, I forget her name right now. Christina Milati. That's the one. Thank you. Uh, yeah, from uh, like the episode of Black Mirror in the past, that Star Trek one. Um, she and is the mother of Ted Mosby's kids in How I Met Your Mother. I did not know that one. Uh, yeah. that show. And she was in Palm Springs or whatever. And she was in Palm Springs. Yep. Yeah, and then for the two things that I know her best from, I mean, like, surprise, this is also like that. If she was in other things, I wouldn't have seen her in those things. But I think the two things that I hear people mention for her most is that episode of Black Mirror and then most recently Palm Springs because mm-hmm. it's recent. Mm-hmm. Um, this is much more in keeping in tone with those things. This is a whole season of not just like punch you in the face Black Mirror kind of stuff so far. They have three episodes that are out. Um, you can watch all of them all at once. And then I believe it's week to week after that. But the, the whole pitch for it is that she's kind of with this weird Mark Zuckerberg who started a Google corollary kind of thing. Mm. And he's a weird, possessive, emotionally performative person mm-hmm. um, who's mani- manipulative in some ways, but I don't think is good at those things, even manipulating mm-hmm. himself or other people. Um someone who was lucky that they found the one niche that they can be successful in and got into it first. But yeah. she, she tries to leave the place where they live, which is this one it's, it's basically the Google campus in the middle of the desert. Um, everything is very blocky and specific and there's a big holographic dome thing inside. So Ooh. you see whatever environment they want you to see with this holographic projection um, but then on the outside, everyone's very aware that you're just in the middle of the desert by California, apparently. Hmm. So uh, over the course of the thing, we learn a little bit more. But to save any spoilers or anything, the first episode begins with her breaking out of there. Um, it's, it's a very possessive kind of marriage. And then there's one piece of technology that's supposed to connect two people that she clearly has. Like she's already had this installed in mm. her. Mm. She was the uh, and, test subject. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. So she gets to deal with this kind of thing. It, it's it's a like a, um there are a lot of different things that I like and enjoy in this that are parts of other things. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that movie uh Anon, which I don't know if anybody watched, but I liked a lot. Um that had Amanda Seyfried and Clive Owen in it. Oh, I really liked that. Uh, yeah. How do you say that? Uh Anon. Okay. How, how would you have said this? Anon. Interesting. Like anonymous. I mean, that makes them, yeah, like that, that's how I think you would say it in like comparison to the full word. Uh-huh. But when I'm referring to like a unit that's just one or like one collective unit, I, I say it the other way. I don't know. Oh, okay. But yeah, 
Um, so, but there's parts of that in this. There's um, plenty of Black Mirror in it, and there's some really, really good acting. The, everyone's acting really well in this in this whole thing. But I think the best acting out of the whole thing might be from this random dude that gets a phone call while she's trying to get away. He like they they keep triggering the electronics kind of around her, mm. and this dude gets a phone call and is supposed to go and talk to her on behalf of the other person on the other side of the phone. And so th- this guy is the perfect idea of a person who's out like weed whacking his yard, gets this call and is like, there's a person on the phone for you. He says he's Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> like <laughs> it was, it was really good it, in one scene. There's other parts of it that are acted really well and could be off putting if they weren't acted really well. Mm. Um, Ray Romano plays her dad oh. and he is a very specific kind of person in this, but he does it in a way that is lovable, I guess. Oh, okay. No, so, I don't know, but it's, it's really interesting. I highly recommend it. Uh, it would be a fun one if we had done it for the week's watch or the geek's hmm. watch, like over actual watching it week to week. But I'm okay with just talking to you guys like in text messages about it or in <laughs> tweets. <laughs> I, I mean, I assume they're only doing one episode a week. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the three for this first one, uh, which is a good, it's one good, clean chunk of it. I do like that as the format that for the mix, like that transition between putting the whole season out and then week to week, because people aren't content with just one episode. And then we already know from TV premieres before that the two episode block for the premiere also falls flat plenty often. <laughs> so uh-huh. three seems to be the new way to do it. And I like that. We did that with Invincible yeah. and with this both. So Give you a movie and then continue it in a series. That <laughs> sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, I mean that is <laughs> I think I think that you should they should just for like half hour series, they should do three episodes a week, just in general. Oh. Oh cool. I mean you would get I mean, through I the would season okay quicker, but like maybe that would push them to do like fifteen episodes a season instead of nine. I feel like they just start making shorter episodes, but I also yeah. come from the world of watching Cartoon Network shows where they're like, yeah, you get two episodes at once, but they're both 11 minutes. So yeah. like, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that was that. Um, I highly recommend it. Again, that's HBO Max for that series, Made for Love. Made for Love. All right. Mm-hmm. Jessica, what did you watch this week? Um, I am continuing the Marvel show thing. I think I watched half of Iron Man season one and went, I'm done with this one. <laughs> I don't need to finish this. Um, so I've moved on to the 1994, I think that's the year, uh, Fantastic Four. Ooh. Which has a really great opening theme song. Like, a really good, like, 1990s opening theme song. Like, <laughs> just call the four. Fantastic Four. It's, it's great. Um, and... This one I'm enjoying a lot more. I think I've slept through it a lot because it's been a rough week. So I've been falling asleep earlier than usual. Um, But I kind of like the dynamic of it. It's I didn't realize the relationships would be different from the movies. Like in this one, um, Sue and Reed are already married when they get their powers from what I was understanding. Mm. So they were like already in a relationship. And I actually kind of like that more. Than the where like they basically meet when they get their powers and then fall in love. I feel like I kind of like they already had an established 
relationship. It's a bit cheesy of an established relationship. <laughs> like it's a 1990s show, but it's very much a 1950s relationship. <laughs> but, um, and I don't know. It's just it's fun. Um, I'm on season two now, which is why I know I totally slept through most of it because I started it again like the next night and I was like why are we in completely different outfits and the theme song changed <laughs> to something that did not live up to the first theme song it's oh no ugh, it's gross but in season two you get a lot more of people like Avenger characters coming in to help them out I think the last episode I watched it was Thor helping them defeat Ego the living planet which it's so cool to think that they took this like i can't see how they got ego the living planet and then how they got the living planet you get in gardens of the galaxy i'm like wow like that's what's crazy because now i'm kind of understanding why so many people were furious with the mcu for a while <laughs> i'm like okay i get it this is really cool but at the same time like this would only work in animation though guys <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> or comic book, I guess. But, like, it's cool. I get it. But there's no way the movie audience brain <laughs> is going to accept this. Um, I will say I do kind of want the MCU to do Galacticus, though. I kind of like him. Honestly, Galactus is a hard tackle. Like he's just so much. I don't know how you do it outside of, like, yeah. a TV show. Because if you do it as the movies, like, that's it. You don't do more movies. Yeah, I just, I kind of like him, how he's written, at least in these shows, because it's now two shows I've seen him in Decent Amount, which is Fantastic Four, and then also, of course, the Silver Surfer show. <laughs> and I like how he's, like, he's evil, but that's how he lives. Like, he has to eat planets, and it just so happens he chooses Earth, or or he doesn't even choose it, his, you know... Harold. Silver Surfer. Yeah, his Harold <laughs> chooses it for him, which is why if he has a Harold that actually gives a crap, <laughs> then he's just eating not a lot of life form planets. And if his Harold just screws up and is like, eh, Earth. <laughs> hey, Galactus good. did nothing wrong. It's all the Silver Surfers. Yeah, I just feel like he's a, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's a good neutral character. Even though he seems bad, I feel like as a whole, he's just living his life. It's like, do you really hate the wolf for killing the deer? Like, yes. That's, and it's just the fact that he's not. <laughs> you're dead. I mean, no, I'm, you don't. It's just trying to live. Does. <laughs> I'm sure that once we get Galactus in the MCU, we, that will be what most of the movie will be the the contention of. Is like, how can we like be upset when we eat cows? Like, kind of thing. Yeah, I, but, I just. It's just a huge representation of it. And I just like how he also talks in the third person. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great Star Trek Next Generation episode with the crystalline entity. Yeah! You know about this one? Yes. That was basically like a Lattice storyline where they're like, hey, we can't kill this thing. It's a living creature. It's just doing what it needs to to survive. Yeah. But then there's a person that's like, no, we got to kill that thing because it like killed my family or whatever. And Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a whole lot of... Uh, moral dilemma there about that. Mm -hmm. there, there was in that particular episode which it was also the thor episode reads like okay in order to defeat ego we have to use galacticus kind of thing and they go and galactus is like okay i'll help you but if i help you then our deal about me never attacking earth is over and i can attack it whenever i want <laughs> reed is like 
okay. And I'm like, wait, Reed, can you ask all of Earth's population if we're okay with you taking this deal? <laughs> like, I got, like, you had to make a deal with him in the first off to, like, get him to not destroy us. You couldn't just defeat him. You had to make a deal, like. Yeah. Now you're going to renege on that just so he could be Ego, which he, which his little reasoning was like, well, right now Ego's going to kill our planet. So we'll deal with this next attack later on. <laughs> kind of like, that's tomorrow me's that? problem. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like Galactus's whole motivation in this. Like wh- what a very specific thing for humans to have written and exactly how I would have expected them to do it. Where this great entity that travels the universe eating whole planets is like, nah, but earth is the tastiest meal. <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't well, give a shit. Think- no. Earth is really just a giant like space Cadbury egg, apparently. I mean, he does in the comic books. I do believe they talk about him that Galactus needs like one that's filled with life force. Like just giving when, when Norn Rad, the Silver Surfer, takes him to planets that are in, inhabited. Like they don't satisfy his hunger enough. That's why he has to eat so many. Yeah, I don't know that. that... That just sounds like those people who are like, no, but if my beer is very expensive, it's <laughs> no, well, it's no, 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 no. <laughs> it's the difference between eating a rice cake and eating a steak. Exactly. It's 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 the vegetarians. It's the vegetarians versus that. meat eaters. <laughs> I was okay with the with like the substitute one. One hundred percent. The the spicy the the hot Italian bratwurst from beyond meat i will choose any day over any hot dog yeah but you're 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 taking into account now where they they've created all these beyond meat and meat substitute stuff we're talking about when galactus was created back in the 70s it was it was just salads like it was just eating lettuce (laughs) there's there's no like beyond earth there wasn't even there wasn't even quinoa okay we're talking like (laughs) yeah that was when kale was used to like display the produce all nicely kale was like in the sides of your apples separating the apples from the oranges that was it what it was keep, used for before like for a very long time. yeah because it's paper <laughs> it's good it's good leafy paper though i like kale I, I would be curious jess i don't remember the name of the show mitch um but i would be curious to see if how you would feel about the more recent i guess uh green lantern animated series that Cartoon I, Network did a few years back. Yeah, the Green Lantern Corps one. I never watched it. Oh. I really liked it. There was that, a lot of good stuff in there. That's what I've heard. I've only heard good things about it. I just did not care for the animation, so I never watched it. Huh. Yeah, I don't even know where you can stream that if you tried right now. I'm assuming HBO with their I'm, connection. WB. Yeah, I'm going to say HBO Max. It's on there. It's got to be. Oh, I'll check it out and see. Well, there you Maybe. go. As soon as she's done with Marvel, she's going to hit up all the DC <laughs> animated shows. You're going to start I with know. the Super Friends. Okay, oh, I will. I can't wait to get to Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, Justice, Justice League, League Unlimited is, is better than Justice League, I think. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Um, I did manage to watch something else as well. I watched Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, finally. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I love it so much. One of my favorite things about this movie, it's that it's a diverse cast that doesn't give a shit if the diversity makes sense. Well, I was just going to bring that up. What year was that again? Because I know it was made for ABC and they're like their Sunday night family movie. Wonderful World. Wonderful World of Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because that was Brandy at her highest. Nine, early 2000s, I'd imagine. 
feel like it was before what 2000. Time? I, I want to say know. 98, but... So this yeah, might have definitely been before commercial internet, like the way that we know it. It was 97. 97. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, so I, you have to wonder, like, if they were to have made that in nowadays, how much, like, Twitter would blown up with white supremacists talking about, like, this is terrible. They're doing diverse characters and stuff like that. Honestly, it, it's good. It's really freaking good. Despite all like the like the really bad special effects that they did nothing. <laughs> they did no favors for some of those things oh, no. for this this transfer of that film. The little glitter swirls for the magic. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great movie. It's never it's saw cool. it. Really, yeah, the no. CGI pumpkin too. They use CGI to make the pumpkin. The <laughs> You're like, <"Ooh." laughs> but yeah, I just I love how it's like you know. Um, the t- the stepsisters, one's black and one's white, and mm-hmm. nobody cares. <laughs> like nobody cares. And the um, Whoopi Goldberg is the queen, and then I can't remember who the king is. But it's it's, it's freaking it's. So, the, and one, they one, have an Asian son, and you're like, this is great. <laughs> like the king is one half of Firestorm. It's, it's gray. Victor Garber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's who wow. it is. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> great. It's great. Um. Yeah, Alexander. I never remember his actual name, but George from Seinfeld, Alexander. Jason Alexander. Jason Mm -hmm. Alexander. Um, He's in it too. He plays like the what is it? King's guard? Not even the King's guard. I don't know the servant guy, basically, Mm -hmm. but friend of the prince, and he's got a cool song. Um, So it's nice to see him use his Broadway chops and. (laughs) I don't know. It's just good. The music's good. I like the relationship between the prince and Cinderella. In this one, because they meet before the ball in the marketplace, and I think that's great. Um, but it does, with the whole diversity thing, it does have that moment when he's trying to look for her with the glass slipper, and they're trying it on everybody. And it's like, well, you could at least not try it on like the white people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's just that was 1997's way of the like. Colorblindness, it's fine. That's what we're striving for. No. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But at the same time, watching it now, I was like, okay, we could have been a little logical. <laughs> at least. But I think no. I think about that always. Watching any version of Cinderella, though, like you could have at least looked at the blonde girls. <laughs> like hair color, hair color, especially then, didn't change overnight. Like you could have. Yeah. I, I forget her name, but the the stepmother. Uh, aunt or whatever. Um, yeah, she's like I, I like her her part where they put the slipper on her successfully, and then she's like, "Ah, it was me. Get it off. It's cutting off my circulation." <laughs> it's Bernadette Peters. Peters, John. Yeah, from, that was the yeah. Mm-hmm. from Clue. That's awesome. You yeah. need to go watch it. Look, we might we we might have hooked him. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah, it came out in '97, so it's definitely got a lot late '90s vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll switch with you, Mitch. Oh yeah, you're gonna trade, <laughs> yeah. You're gonna trade me, Cinderella, Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Yes, you uh, could have done hey. Hamilton, Jess. You could have done <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> I will, no, he would have like, never traded for that. This is true. He would I never. Would. Tra- I know that wouldn't happen. Hamilton's like three hours long. Like <laughs> this is only an hour. <laughs> like, um, I will come up with something and we'll make that trade. Okay, awesome. Snyder cut. No, <laughs> I'm not I'm putting not that on anybody. 
already did it. It's fine. Yeah, so she already watched it. Oh, uh, she just stayed quiet. Be like, yeah, sure, I'll watch that. No, because I would feel obligated to watch it in the eighties. Oh god, one of the kung fu movies. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, okay, I'll get her. To, I'll, I'll think of which one to do. Make her what? Operation Condor. Operation Condor. Uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Um, What's the one with the, the hand that comes down from the sky that you have? Oh, that's watched? Kung Fu Hustle. That's not from the 80s. Oh, that's okay. from, oh no, that's I've recent. already seen that. Yeah, that is, that's seen that. beautiful. It's <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful film. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard it on the podcast. Switch agreed to a switch. Okay. All right, so both of those are available on Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm pretty much always a Disney Plus person from week to week. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing that's where Falcon and the Winter Soldier is. (laughs) John, what did you watch this week? All right, before I get started with that, since we're on the topic of uh, challenges or whatever, trade-offs, this is one that I've been wanting to watch for a while now. Uh, and I'm willing to take any counter offers with that, um, but I really want you to watch the void or enter the void. Enter the void. Oh. The one that's got those really cool uh, opening credits where they're like super stylized mm-hmm. in like a hundred different like styles. Um, but the movie itself is pretty good, man. <laughs> like, I want you to get past that credit scene and actually watch it at some point. We did have rewatched that credit scene and suggested it to people. <laughs> Just the credit scene. <laughs> It's not even like a credit scene where like something is happening. There's something interacting. It's just them showing the names interestingly. Yeah, in not, like various fonts and styles. Not to go too off topic, but didn't we recently learn something about the director of that movie? Was that was that 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 same guy, or was that um, a different but similarly colored film? Oh, I don't know. It's okay. Keep going. Um, so yeah and so I'll let you think about it for a while see if there's uh, something you want to suggest back Um, I'm definitely open to pretty much anything you're willing to suggest anyway so go nuts with that Um, so I watched uh, it premiered and I had forgotten it was going to come out until somebody tweeted about it and they said it's like hey how's the lizard versus gorilla movie and I was like oh snap is that out already so I had to go look it up and um yeah, it was everything I hoped it would be. <clears throat> Gorilla versus Kong was fantastic. Oh wait, no, Godzilla versus Kong. It's about the toys. It's an advertisement for the dog toys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, that would be great. They should show Kong just like biting into that, showing how tough those things are. Um, <laughs> it's got, it's I got to make the suggestion. Why did? It, they could have built it as like a boxing match and called it Godzilla versus Gorilla, and it would have been like you know, perfect like versus matchup, having them like at the weigh in and everything and like posturing against each other, having to get separated, you know, because you know they just can't wait for the actual match. It was just is, a lot of fun. Uh, is it weird? The... Is is it weird, John, that we got a movie like this movie got made like remade in i guess now like modern cinema after the movie based off that video game where giant monsters destroy (laughs) a city rampage yeah did i I watch that movie i don't even remember it's not good 
It's yeah, it looked awful. And the only thing I have to say against Rampage because I haven't seen it, but it looks like it's such a departure from the actual game, other than just having these large animals destroying the city. I'm like, this is lame. Unless the Rock turns into the gorilla character at the end, but like all of the character, all of the monsters are supposed to be humans that were mutated into giant mm-hmm. monsters. These were just animals that got turned into larger animals. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so it was really just like I think a rock vehicle, but I think they made it on a low enough budget that it was probably like a test movie to see like our audience is going to be receptive to it. That's fair. And therefore, I think yeah, we got a few more. But this thing has more in uh, in alignment with like Pacific Rim, and I definitely called it in my little review that I wrote up for Kikoli Media um, that this is the movie that Pacific Rim was definitely trying to be. Whoa. It was good in its own way, but this is so much better. What? I like it too. I'm not saying the Pacific Rim was bad in any way at all. Uh oh, I lost Steven. Here. Steven, oh, would this help better? Things. Would this help if. <laughs> Steven, would this help? It, it, it's what Pacific Rim 2 was trying to be. Okay. No, yeah. Okay. That yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> I'm John. Now, okay, to be fair, I haven't seen Pacific Rim 2 only because I've heard it was bad and didn't even come close to the original. So we'll go with that. We'll say that uh, this is the the better sequel to Pacific Rim. How about that? I'm okay with this. Thank you. Okay. I've, okay. I've calmed down. I'll be, I'll, I'm closer to the mic. I'm calm. <laughs> For the moment, he's calm. <laughs> I was like, Dana, your forehead's really throbbing right now. <laughs> Like 4K resolution. Um, The extremist acts up sometimes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, movie was great, fun, good time. If you don't already like kaiju movies or Godzilla movies, don't bother. You're not going to like this anyway. Um, If you do like Godzilla stuff, if you like big, dumb action movies, because this is a big, dumb action movie, the plot is borderline nonsensical. It does take a few hard turns into sci-fi territory, like, you know, journey into the center of the world kind of stuff. Mm. But even then, the logic of that is just so, like, wackadoodle, like, secondary to the actual action that it's like, don't think about it too hard. Just enjoy the fact that there seems to be an ancient civilization in the center of the world of, like, hyper-intelligent giant gorillas (laughs) that were smart enough to take the bones of their enemies to fashion them into weapons, that somehow they realize that those can also absorb atomic energy to become supercharged so that they can become more powerful. <sighs> yeah. There's no, like, okay. You know, you just have to, like, accept it and continue, you know? And they did it's... introduce that in the last Godzilla movie, King of oh, Monsters. Yeah. yeah. So they just go yeah. further into it. Yeah, it just goes further into sci-fi territory. Um, That's nice, actually. The Godzilla's actually kind of not really that much into it. This movie kind of reminded me in some good and some bad ways of Batman v Superman, where it's it's Don't. it's more the second what? character's movie than the first. <laughs> Godzilla's not as much in it, ironically. It's it Kong is like almost a full fledged character. You find out that he's intelligent. He can communicate with this little girl through sign language. Well, yeah, other normal gorillas can do that. Like <laughs> no, this is a you, normal you gorilla. You listen to your wrong about. You know that's not true, Jess. I haven't listened to that episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I don't. <laughs> 
so yeah, it was good fun. I recommend it to anybody that likes this kind of movie. I feel like you already decided whether you're going to like it or not before you even watched it. If you watch it, you're going to probably like it. If you mm. were like, eh, I don't want to go into this, you're not going to. Um, and on a side note, this kind of got me on this weird sort of side track of like, after my little experiment with Flash Gordon and seeing the parody no. that was made of no. it. No, 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 we're not going no. there. <laughs> no, stop. Just don't. Let's just say it exists. It's there. It's rule 34. It proves the rule. Yes, and um, I will say the special effects are not quite up to par, kind of in the converse of the Flash Gordon thing, but you know, there's, there's a story. There's there's like logical reasons why things happen in that movie. And um, like just to take it a step further, April Fool's! <laughs> a couple of days belated, but uh, I knew that I would get you guys with that. <laughs> I, I am curious. Have you seen Shin Godzilla? I have not. Okay, Mitch, did you did you get to confirm anything about this director? Was that the director? I no. Typing away. It was it was not the same direct the Enter the Void because I just remembered someone saying something about Enter the Void when something came out. Yeah, I, I forget what it was exactly. It's I would have put those two directors in the same bin in my head for sure. No, guess part in a way is the guy. Our mentor, the void, is the same guy who did uh, Irreversible. Right. So, John, I will trade you after you watch that movie. These two, I'll trade you Shin Godzilla for that. Okay. Cool. So, Into the fair. Void for Shin Godzilla. All right. Yeah. I just want everyone to watch Shin Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here you go, Jess. Have you ever watched Tango and Cash? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Oh. So to go along with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I will trade you Tango and Cash for Roger and Hammerstein, Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Okay. Thanks, Tango Jess. and <laughs> Cash. What? She, now, <laughs> now I'm going to watch it. I was going to say, she's gonna enjoy, you're going to enjoy Tango and Cash. You love 80s action movies. This one is what you've seen. Uh-uh. Oh. Huh? You could oh. weasel your way out of this, Mitch. Oh, you, you could, could watch, watch the other. Zero. You could watch the other one. Which other one? The, like the original television production of Rodgers and Hammerstein. No, 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 no! It has to be the one currently on. Ding- <laughs> I should have said that. No, it has to be the one. Why would I want to watch the other one though? It's like the fifties too. It looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm okay. <laughs> All right, John. So. I did. I did not watch that movie. I did not watch Godzilla vs Kong. Um, but I did edit your article. Uh, I just want to know, and you don't have to say if if there who it is. But is there an actual winner? Um, because a lot of these versus movies, there's never an actual winner. <laughs> no, because Godzilla the human race. race. <laughs> That's usually what how they put it. Is yeah. the humans win? <laughs> It's yeah. We all win for just getting to watch the spectacle. Um, I'll tell you who doesn't win. The human property <laughs> owners. That, that could be a spoiler alert. Um, well, it's it's done in such a way that it's kind of like Godzilla wins, but hey, at we're the supposed end to spoil of it, 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 it
<laughs> yeah. Let's just put it that way. They're both alive at the end. Both of them are alpha males, apparently. So, like, you know, that's one of the things they're trying to do in the movie is keep them separated because it's going to result in a fight to the death. But there oh. is, I mean, it's Toxic in the article. So if you read it, it is already. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they they always have to one up each other. Um, so it's the Rock and Vin Diesel. I got it. Yes, and that's exactly right. So like the end of the movie is literally the end of every Fast and Furious movie, where the two alphas just kind of like, you know what? We have our differences, but I respect you. And they both go their separate ways. <laughs> is it is it in the way that they set up in King of Monsters? John, where it's like they're like there's one that's the top one, and then everything else is weirdly like ant pheromones subservient to them because they want they beat up the previous top dog, basically. But okay. uh, to that point, you don't see any others um, except for like just a few minor, not even at the same level as Kong and uh, Godzilla. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, basically that's the point: is that the only other alpha remaining is Kong, and that's the only thing that really poses a, tr- a threat to Godzilla basically acting out and you know causing destruction which everybody starts blaming him for that but it's really there's another reason why godzilla is like acting a fool and uh you get to find out as you watch why and get mothma to like come out there and be like okay come on dude can you just not <laughs> no <laughs> just pick him yeah. up and take a bowl. come on let's just go ahead and destroy this island you'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like every fraternity just has those two bros that, you know, like, they won't be peace until they punch each other a couple times and then they hug it out. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Godzilla vs. Kong is now available on HBO Max or in theaters if you feel safe. So, Mitch, what did you watch? Ah. (laughs) So, my week's watch... Um, I re- I watched the return of Detective Stabler to the Law and Order universe. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, that's what? right. Uh, SVU's Detective Elliot Stabler, played by Christopher Maloney, Maloney, has come back, and he is now in Law and Order: Organized Crime. Uh, is it just another Law and Order show? Is exactly what we need. Yep. <laughs> is it just because Happy ended? Happy ended, uh, father in charge or whatever that show. Like every show that Chris Maloney has tried to do since uh, leaving SVU has just not gone well for him. Like Happy was probably the most critically acclaimed one, but they mm-hmm. still only got two seasons, and it was on a Sci-Fi Channel. Like nobody's watching it. So yeah, uh, it was he a was going to be to be the guardian, and that didn't pan out. He was he was he was the guardian in Man of Steel, and I I think he dies in in Man of Steel, so that didn't work out for him. Um, <laughs> like it's like I said, he's he's. I think he's an interesting actor. Like he wants to do comedy so bad. If you like watch those Harold and Kumar movies or like, you know, anything that he gets to do comedy in, he loves to do it happy, so to speak. Uh, but like he gets typecast as a hard ass most of the time because he looks like a hard ass. He, he had the perfect mix of those way back when. When he did. He was Casey Jones. He was who? Casey Jones in the TMNT movies. Wrong guy. What? That's Elias Coitius. Coitius. <laughs> what? Coitius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could see how you think they look similar. They're the same human. They're, they're not. But however, he was on another uh, Dick Wolf show. He was on Chicago PD for a while. Ah. Playing a hard-ass cop. 
I hate it. <laughs> uh, we're just ruining Steven's world all day today. Um, yeah, it's bullshit. I was happy before. So Stabler has not been in the SV or the Law and Order universe for ten years, and they mm-hmm. repeat that in his episode of the show. Uh, of or the pilot of his show like he has not been a cop or at least not a cop in new york for 10 years like part of his hiatus he was a cop in in rome which he was like the liaison for organized crime or something like that over there which was all it was all very convoluted and weird and they're just yeah. like let's go past it real quick so we can get to the fact that he's here now mm-hmm. back in new york city <laughs> and the the thing is, is that this is 2021 and Starting up another crime procedural, like in the middle of uh, what the the world climate is when it's talking about cops, is uh, very interesting. So they definitely needed to bring down Stabler's attitude. Like he is very mm. much the he was he was always the hothead. Like he might beat up a suspect at any moment, and we <laughs> needed to deal with that in this time. So when um, we got to that part. The they they are definitely trying to tamp, tamper it down with him. Um, there's a big reason why he has joined up with the New York City Police Department again in the organized crime division, so to speak, or task force. Uh, I don't. I won't give that away here. So in case anybody wants to watch it, uh, but one of the bigger things that I thought was super surprising is a turn for one of the characters that is being introduced in the show. I was not expecting that of this character. And uh, if they keep this this actor on, I'm going to I'm going to be interested in what their role is going to be. So, hmm, hmm. wait, is it that big of a thing that you can't give any spoilers? I don't want to give any spoilers on it, like at least on okay. that part. But is there something else you wanted to know? No, no. I how the hell it got past me? Those weren't the same person. But I mean, that's not that's not here nor there. I'm sure in his younger days he would have made a great Casey Jones, though. I'm livid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Law & Order Organized Crime is on NBC. You can probably catch it on Hulu and Peacock if you don't have NBC. So was it important because... Oh, sorry. Because we watched the SVU crossover episode. Crossover episode was it important to watch that before watching Organized Crime? I would say it is, just because you get the lead up to why it is that he's back. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you could probably get away with not watching it, but you would definitely be like, "I missed something." Okay. But they they re- they cover it. What were you going to ask, Sean? Mm. Oh yeah, I was going to throw in uh, into the point of uh, Chris Maloney. Um, doing comedy um he definitely i remember him a lot before i used to watch svu or any of those other shows i remember seeing seeing him a lot on just cameo appearances on things like conan mm-hmm. and the daily show um and he always plays those like as the straight man but you can tell he's doing it like like he's doing he's got good comedic timing right um yeah. and one of his best appearances ever uh was on the daily show uh if you remember few years ago during the occupy wall street movement there was a cop that sprayed uh pepper sprayed a bunch of peaceful protesters who were just sitting there minding their business uh-huh yeah well, that guy's name was tony uh Bologna, or anthony baloney so they had this whole skit 
of Chris Maloney playing Tony Baloney, and then they had some other weird name where it was just like a series of rhymes with Baloney, which is <laughs> worth the watch just for that. And he, like I said, he totally plays it straight. He's just walking around like New York and just spray uh, pepper spraying people like just randomly all over, like just doing their their own thing, minding their business. It's great. You should check that was, out if you like. Was, was, did he spell it like T O G N A? I don't remember actually, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was uh, it was good. It was good. It was a good watch. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, like you, it, you, like you said, <laughs> Chris Maloney's been doing a lot. Of, he, he does have the comedic timing. That, I mean, I think that's the, one of the reasons why Happy worked out so well, uh, if you watched it. Uh, all right, let's get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 3, titled Power Broker. Oh. However, however, we still didn't even get to see the Power Broker. Oh, but did we? I mean, we could have. That is true. <laughs> So the spoilers for moving on from here. If you haven't watched the episode yet, you should go do that. Mm-hmm. Sharon Carter is a badass. All I, I gotta say, um, I love her so, so much. It, it seemed like everybody was making the comparison to the fact that she very much went all John Wick on everybody in this episode. <laughs> well, this episode was written by the guy who wrote John Wick. So <laughs> there oh. you go, uh, Derek Kolchak. I think is how you say his name. Something like that. Um, hmm. But yeah, uh, that that was a very very awesome scene. You got the three badass superhero s characters that are inside talking to a scientist, and all of a sudden, outside Sharon Carter's just handing out ass whoopings to everybody that comes up with a gun. Like it was no, yeah, she, she was going around handing out second buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't know why she was doing that to people. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, just between just between that and getting to see uh, Zemo, which I am, I was a, I'm a huge fan of da- Daniel Bruhl's. I think he's a, a phenomenal actor. Uh, after his performance as Zemo in Civil War, like we got to see a more comic accurate version of him. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when he's like, I'm a Baron. I actually have a lot of money. Like I turned to Elizabeth, I was like, "So he's he's Tony Stark with Captain America's fighting skills." Got it. <laughs> uh, Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, that uh, getting to see the mask, I was super happy. Um, and then just the three of them walking into that nightclub in Madripoor in their like <laughs> clothing uh, was hilarious to me. Um, smiling. Smiling. Tiger. Smiling Tiger yeah. is an actual character in the comic books, in Marvel oh. comic books. Uh, he is... So the the idea of dressing up Sam Wilson that way is to have the Smiling Tiger persona, plus when they tried to revamp Sam Wilson's character like in the 70s or 80s, they actually oh. made him a pimp. Like He was a pimp that, <laughs> t- that, that, that Captain America like befriended. So, what? Yeah. It was kind of like just saying, hey, this thing happened. Um, but eventually it was like they, they made it so that it was the Red Skull had like manipulated a time stream with the Cosmic Cube. And that was never a real thing with Sam Wilson being a pimp. And like, yeah, that's probably the best <laughs> best idea not to have that happen. Good call. Just Good erase name. that from history. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about it last week. We talked about truth, red, white and black. 
the scientist they find in those containers is the science is the same name as the scientist that that did those experiments to the african-american soldiers in that comic book mm. so they brought him around again and we see that he has used the blood of isaiah bradley to make these new super soldier serums once again in current times in the in which the is MCU. honestly that one specific idea has so much basis in real history yeah yes for like like all vaccines yes. that there, there are stories that fit with this idea where it seems like this tiny little bit of information in this episode but it has a massive background in actual history it, yes. it really grounds the story and the concept mm-hmm. of the story it reminds it like we didn't we talk about the Henrietta Lacks in the in one of the other shows that we talked about, either Watchmen mm-hmm. or uh, I don't remember what it was, but we did talk. I, about we it. did talk about it. I probably, don't remember what the show it was for. Probably uh, something country. What was it? Lovecraft Country? That's all I was trying to remember yeah. too. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. I was like, what? Which one was it that we were talking about? <laughs> what was the name of that show? Uh, yeah, which is a, is a very similar here of using the tissue of uh, this. African American woman that you know had absolutely not given her consent to this to, yeah, you know, make a whole bunch of other medical advancements or experimentation or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I'm I could sit here and keep talking about all the things I loved about this episode, but what did everybody else think of it? Uh, I'm going to be uh, very defensive too. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the introduction of I already forgot the name of the place they go to mid. Madripoor. Yeah. The whole, all the shots of it, like the the, you know, the lady in stilettos, like just her shoes walking over a grate. <laughs> okay, so- fun to do. but like that that whole sequence. Yeah, which I don't think she was quite walking correctly because it looks like she was too much on her heel. But, yeah. Um- <laughs> Mitch and I had a solid had a solid five minute conversation about this exact thing. I was, funny thing enough, is I was the one that brought it up first. Yeah, because I was just gonna wa- I, like it's one of those things. Jessica will probably agree with me, and I keep cutting her off, so I feel bad. But the where it's one of those things is the one when you're like, yeah, that's totally wrong. Just moving past it because they never get it right anyway. Um, and so like it just doesn't even really register because they screw it up so many times that it's just it's like whatever, mm-hmm. fine. But I just had to even- call it out. Yeah, even I was like, "Oh, her heel got in that grate. She's not walking correctly." Like, <laughs> you walk over because I used to when I was in college. I don't know why I felt like I had to look great every single day. I wasn't one of those go to classes in pajamas, mainly because later on in college, all my classes were night classes. So I would wear five inch pump stilettos to class because that's just me. I mean, I dress up. I know Elizabeth knows. I go get coffee and I'm wearing a sundress. Like. We need, we need uh, sometime off off recording. We need to talk about this masochistic streak and like the root of it. <laughs> well, I don't do it much anymore. But I also I liked I got a confidence boost. I'm a short person. I would get a confidence boost, and I was really good at walking in heels. Like, I would walk all over campus. I would dash through rocks in order to get to class on time. Like it's there's a trick to do that in five inch heels, which is just you walk on your toes. And so the instant you see her heel lean back, you're like, she's putting too much on her heels. She's not, you need to walk almost like on your tippy toes within those heels to do it correctly. So yes, there is a correct way to walk over a grate and high heels. Um, but that whole shots, like that collection of shots, the people like holding the guns, the neon lighting, everything, it reminded me of like a video game load screen. 
<laughs> but I loved it. Like that, I was like, oh my God, this is like a video game. Like this makes me want to play like all those like Grand Theft Auto kind of games and stuff like that. Cause that's exactly where it put me. And it exactly as somebody who doesn't quite know, like I know it was mentioned in the animated X-Men show, but I don't <clears throat> might've slept through the episode or something. But um, did you ever see Wolverine with an eye patch? In the show, that's what I was trying to remember too. If they mm-hmm. ever went and did that, yeah, I don't think they did patch. If you okay. ever see Wolverine with an with an eye patch, it's in Madripoor. Yeah. Okay. All right. That whole like I didn't know this place. I knew it was a fake place. I knew it was the comics, but that whole opening sequence told me exactly what this place was. <laughs> Even without being like talked, like without them saying, "Oh, it's like the criminal underground," you know, I got oh, like I know exactly where I am right now because of those shots. It was like a really bad, not even bad. It was a really good advertisement, like to go vacation there, even though it's criminal. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny is that opening shot of the place makes me really think of Macau. Like I, I that's the the feel I get of Madripoor from what they're depicting it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and speaking of Wolverine, so the Princess Bar where they go to, he is part yep. owner of that bar. Patch oh. is that his his alternate like name his undercover name because he throws on a white like tuxedo coat and puts in puts an oh. eye patch on and no one knows he's Wolverine anymore. Like kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, so that's it's that's I always thought that was funny, but uh, yeah, that's like I said, there's connections to the X Men Wolverine in, in Madripoor, a big one. Um, it's good. Anybody else, or we cut, were we cut you off again, Jessica? I'm sorry. No, no, I think I think that's my initial. I really wanted to talk about that. There are other things I liked, but that I just loved exactly how it was filmed, and I could see. It. Now it does make sense. It was written by the people, John Wick, because mm-hmm. I was literally like, this looks like it was shot like John Wick. The lighting and everything. It was just, oh, gorgeous. It was mm-hmm. just filmed so great. And I just liked it. And the motorcycle scenes. I was like, ooh, look at that lighting. Like, I just <laughs> <laughs> loved it. That's John. Yeah. John. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that from now on, this is going to be my go-to dance move. <laughs> that just looks so great. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't even know where I can begin with this one because I pretty much texted you guys as soon as the episode was over, and I was like, I went from liking to loving this episode or this show with this episode, and that stands firm because I liked it. After this, I think I agree with you, Mitch. Now having the key players in place. And watching now, like, the chess game begin for reals. Um, I just... Everything from the way the story was told, the way that Bucky is telling you in past tense something that happened for real, mm-hmm. and you, you get caught up right to it, that, that that's just really good way of conveying that story. The relation with all of the characters is great. I like how likable Nemo, uh, Zemo is for mm-hmm. what a bad person he is. <laughs> and how he's not making any promises that he's not going to try to kill Bucky at some point because he's, <laughs> his whole point is to get rid of super soldiers or, and you know the Winter Soldier project and I like that brief moment of sincerity where it's like hey if it means any, it makes any difference it wasn't personal you know I, I just needed you for what I was doing um, I'm glad that they called back to the words because I was like really hoping that that was going to be something brought up and now we have that question answered he can't be triggered by that anymore or activated by we that. We didn't finish it. 
this is true. It's true, but uh, I always assume that like even with the like just the first ones that like, kind of stop him in place. That's true. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He he at least started looking like he got like the meat sweats. <laughs> it was like oh wait shit <laughs> um but there could be like backup words like you know in case those don't work there's the that's true the secondary yeah. set yeah it's just the konami code up down <laughs> but you have to like physically touch them and like do the tap 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 here, here. um I love the fact that they had to play these personas and Bucky had to go back into Winter Soldier mode. Um, anytime that Zemo spoke Russian to him, I got a little something weird that I'm not sure I'm ready to talk about. Um, but it was really nice. <laughs> uh, I was like, what is that weird feeling? I hope this doesn't awaken something in um, So, uh, it just... The fight scene in the bar, Sharon Carter just like taking names. I'm like, give her the shield. Screw trying to figure out if, like, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, what's his name isn't ready. Sam Wilson doesn't know if he can pick up the mantle for all these different race reasons and whatnot. Give it to her. She's can handle it. Um, However, and Bucky did say himself, he's like, I'm gonna fucking take the the shield if before you, I let you destroy it. Yeah, exactly. So. There's the the chance of seeing that that costume in work, and I'm I'm excited about that. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, and then, I guess the last thing, because um, John Walker wasn't that much into this episode, but his couple of scenes that he is in is like, oh, we're getting to see his real, uh, like maybe it's the power trip getting to his head, or maybe this is how he really is. But he was definitely doing current state american politics uh overseas of like don't you know who i am pulling the king joffrey uh you know power yeah. play and i was so hoping that the guy would answer back because they were speaking german i think um mm-hmm. i hope he would answer back in english like you're not steve rogers or something like that just to like really <laughs> dig it into him honestly he he did start it by saying like you um i, I, I know i know exactly mind. who you are and i don't care what do i know he, he said you Something about the way that he's embodying America. Oh. Like he, he, he's, he said something to the effect of this being now America. He said, you guys are getting so violent or have become so violent or something to that effect. Oh, you've become I wish I had so brutish? Brutish. That's, that's the right, one. Yeah. 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 I, see, and I don't know if when he yelled out that do you not know who I am part, if it was more of the... I'm Captain America or I am John Walker or even I'm, you know, American a force, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like he just reacted more to the spitting on the Captain America suit more than just being spit on himself. Not that I'm trying to, like, mm-hmm. like make any excuses for him. He's obviously losing it or at least we see why the U.S. government thought that he was the perfect choice for being <laughs> the next Captain America. Uh, as Elizabeth brought up before, it's like the, he's a great soldier. He's yeah. not the great Captain America. No, and and the thing is, is yes, he was mostly reacting to the spitting on the uniform, but it was the spitting on him in the uniform. Like when I put this mm-hmm. uniform on, I am God. Yeah, you don't get to spit on God, and America is God, and there's nothing wrong, and you can't criticize, and nobody can be opposed, and we're mm-hmm. I'm perfect because I have this uniform on. Okay. Yep, it's the- that it's that mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, there is something about this episode. Oh, if you want to go, Mitch, I'm going to go for a while. No, go for a while because <laughs> I will just chime in and I'm going to add stuff at the end anyway. So, okay. Well, I there's something about this episode that enabled me to 
enjoy it, but also turn it off at the same time and think about a lot of the other implications of the previous two episodes uh, in a way that I enjoyed. Okay. I don't know if I just needed some time like with the headphones out to be with my own thoughts about it. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I really got into a spot thinking about it where with that scene with John Walker to start since we just talked about that, I thought about this time when I was a little kid, I held doors open for people a lot. Uh, I really like doing things for other people in general. I guess that's my love language. I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, I thought about when I was a kid and I would hold the door open for for somebody. And there are some people who are dismissive of a person when you hold the door open for them or something like that. And then there are other people who are just busy. And yeah. so like those two different people will both not necessarily say thank you. And little mm-hmm. kid, like seven-year-old Stephen, was a, a real snot about it. And I would oh. be like, you're welcome. <laughs> and then at some point I realized if I'm if I'm doing it and then getting mad about someone not saying thank you, I'm not actually doing something nice. Yeah. And I think that was what John Walker was embodying in that moment. He's he's like, don't you know who I am? America does all this humanitarian aid stuff. Like we are good, we are democracy. And I think that's the thing that was being embodied in that moment. Um, to me, at least, obviously, people can take different things from any anything. Um, so I, I just thought about that. I don't think he's doing it in any positive way. The other ones that I got to think of a lot for this one was that whether or not they realize it, there's a little bit of an indictment of the the way that studios work okay. with their creators in this. So Sam Wilson is a massive superhero. Like People know who he is. He's one of this group of people who saved the world. People are aware of him. In this mm-hmm. way, that guy recognizes him on site after a little bit of coaxing. You know, people do the little wings thing at him, but he still has absolutely no money whatsoever, and he's still doing jobs saving people. He, he's basically just a person who's taking on gigs. Yeah, he has no secured employment whatsoever, but is still responsible for some of the things that have made the biggest impact in the world. There's something to be said about that being how people work for big studios. Mm. About the, the creatives who work on these things, they just get shuffled from one thing to another, and that's just accepted as the way that it works. Um, so I think that's an interesting one to have in there. Um, and then the last one, I guess, for this one was actually that I, he might actually still be being Captain America in this because – the person who got to decide who Captain America was this time around are the people who made all of those posters that we saw in that museum before. Mm-hmm. Those posters yeah. were by bail bonds. Captain America wants you to enlist. Captain America mm-hmm. wants you to this. None of them were a positive thing. They were, it was very transactional relationships with the people that Captain America was being sold to. And I think we are seeing exactly that in this new person. So I don't know. I just think that they've been doing a really good job of setting that up. He, he gave the shield to a person who was like, you did the right thing, son. And then at the end of the episode, we see them just go ahead and give it right to somebody else who they chose for this one. I don't know. I think there's a lot in there that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that the f- the fact that they decided not to just use him as the sideshow freak that they did with Steve Rogers at first of just doing USO shows, uh, mm-hmm. they are allowing him to go on missions. They are you know, and he doesn't have because it sells better. 
It does. Yeah. And, and the fact that you have TikTok and, and, you know, social media and stuff like that, all that stuff can be uploaded and, and like, this is the action that he's doing instead of, you know, going from city to city and lifting up a motorcycle with three women on top of it. Like, yeah. it doesn't need, and he can't do that either. Like, he is a, he's just a <laughs> regular soldier. He can't, he doesn't have super strength. He doesn't ha- enhance strength, at least mm-hmm. to our knowledge. Um, it, it's, it's a interesting dynamic that I think Stephen is bringing up. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think they are using him instead of showing his individual strength. He is representative of the American military strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is really yeah. what he's now embodying. Um, I really. So there were a number of things that I don't know if Stephen's done. I don't. Stephen, I don't know if you're done with your list because I've got lots of stuff. Um, so I find it really interesting because in this episode we finally really see the mirroring between. Um, the fake Captain America and um, our not villain because I really think oh, the, the power broker, the flag smasher, Carly, Car- Carly Morgenthau, yeah. are clearly the exact mirrors of each other. Both doing terrible things for what they believe are the right reasons. At yeah. first, you you can you almost sympathize more with Carly. Until she blows up all of the with the building with the people inside. GRC, GRP, something like that. Yeah, GRC, GRC. That was literally my reaction because as they were getting in the car, I was like, "Oh well, I mean, they're not killing people." And then an explosion happens, and I'm like, "God damn it!" (laughs) And I did appreciate thinking of the GRC. That commercial at the beginning makes you hate the GRC from the jump. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Yeah, like you just because it reeks of big pharma commercials <laughs> is really what it, re- it like. That's it is all of those ED treatments and you know diabetes A one C treatments and it that's what it reeks of. Um, the other piece for me that I really like because of who I am as a person, and it probably is a blemish on my (laughs) character i appreciate zemo killing the doctor Mm. Mm. oh and and blowing it up and i think that is completely the way that needs to be handled and i like the fact that we are finally getting the conversation about the the true damage vigilantes have Mm -hmm. in sharon's arc and the fact that she's like i wasn't an avenger Mm -hmm. i did all the i did I did what was supposedly the quote unquote good things and if, I can't, I ne- I can't go home anymore. At the end, she cannot, mm-hmm. she cannot, she doesn't get a pardon because she's not an Avenger. She doesn't get to go home because she stole Cap's shield and, and, and Sam's wings and went against the, I guess she was working with the CIA at that time. Yeah. 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 And so she's like, put in basically. Ex- yeah. Yeah. You know, and you get it with Zemo's conversation and, you know, his thought processes behind it. And you get, you know, along with the whole um, discussion about the city that went down in Sokovia. Sokovia. Mm-hmm. And you get all of those conversations that a lot of times I think get really glossed over in mm-hmm. in superhero movies and shows and those kinds of things because they are an indictment on these people we put on pedestals and erase the things that they do that does harm. That Mm -hmm. that does harm when you choose, when you as a free agent, and 
I get the whole criticism of the Sokovia Accords and who decides what's good and what's bad and you can't really control Mm -hmm. superheroes. But at the same time, that's fine. There needs to be some form of accountability because you are causing destruction. It may be for the right reasons in the end, but you're causing destruction. Ha ha! Elizabeth has come to my side and she is all (laughs) (laughs) pro-registration. Wait, you you align with Senator Kelly, Mitch? I did not expect that. No, I I don't align with the registration of the, the mutants. That's just like, that's... That's like registering them for for being alive. This is people that are deciding to take on being a vigilante, so to speak. Like there should be like if you want to be a superhero, you should have to be accountable for the stuff that you do. I mean, yes. it was it was the same problem I had at the start of Watchmen with all of the police force and masks. I'm like, that's not it's not acceptable. Like mm-hmm. you you just you destroy any form of accountability for individual action, and that's just not okay. But I've always had so a problem with like- vigilantes. We all need to watch more My Hero Academia and Trigun, is what you're saying. Because <laughs> these no two shows together dealt shit. with both of these things. Yeah, Tri- Trigun is that one that we've talked about a lot, where one of the, the there's like a, a character who used to be a bad guy that's now a good guy, and then two people follow him around everywhere, just trying to minimize the damage that he does as insurance adjusters. Yes. Oh. Yep. Nice. And My Hero Academia is like superhero school where they deal with a lot of the stuff of like a, a superhero economy and then what that creates. Yep. It's interesting stuff. And I did like, I do like the illusion that I think Shannon is, I, I think she may be the power broker. Sharon. 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 I don't, I don't disagree if they decided to fuse this because she's got some, she's got so much more stuff going on. Yeah. That is a nice house. <laughs> well, oh, that was the other thing. I do, I do appreciate that they actually talked. That was another one of those tied back to reality. Yeah, no, most of the pieces in, like, most really famous artwork these days is just locked in. It's honestly, it's, it's in storage to avoid taxation because we've created these free tax zones where these multi, th- hundreds of thousands of pieces of art are just... Mm-hmm. In storage, no, they're not even in private collections for private people to look at. They are literally sitting in closed crates in these warehouses for and the simple purpose this. to avoid taxation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so most of what we see in the museum is not the actual piece, is what you're saying, or? Well, so that does happen also, but I don't. Think it does saying. happen also, but not not as frequently. No, this is more of just a twist on the fact that there is so much beautiful and invaluable art that isn't in museums that just doesn't exist because it is Mm -hmm. locked away and not even in private collections where people are seeing it on their walls, but literally just in boxes. I feel like recently there was a story in the news about some famous painting. Somebody looked at it like an expert on it and went, and it was in a museum somewhere and they were like, that's a copy. That's not real. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it does every few years. There are a couple of pieces that, that get discovered, but yeah, no, I just, I found that really interesting. And we learn, I mean, I guess it's not too big of a stretch, but being a, a spy translates into being a thief really well. well she is yeah. she is very good at it. She's just Again, a thief that surprising. knows how to fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you have a certain skill set and you're unemployed and your country thinks you're a traitor, what are you going to do? You put those skills to use where they could benefit you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Absolutely. you can't wait till Jack Ryan gets to the point where he starts stealing art. 
uh, yeah. The, so we 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 do have this moment where we do see that she Sharon gets like leaves in a car after she tells the boys to go off and do their little adventure, uh, which does imply that she could be the power broker. I don't, I don't think that they will personally merge the two characters like that, but. Uh, it could be a possibility. It could definitely be a possibility. Um, oh, last piece. I really, I don't know if we ever get the cycling back to Wakanda. Yeah, that's what okay. I was about to bring up next. Uh, <laughs> yeah. at, as we are in the city at the end of the movie, I don't remember where we're at. Uh, it must have been, it's wherever Carly's mother had passed away. Uh, like mm, near the Baltic. Yeah. So Bucky picks up the fact that she sees Wakanda beads on the ground. Uh, those, as we know from Black Panther, those mean a very specific thing. Uh, he follows the breadcrumbs, and we end up with, uh, I forget what her name is, but she is the second in command of the Dor- Uh mm-hmm. So uh, he is, and being a person that was emerged in that uh, uh, culture for uh, a little bit of time, he, he knew what to expect. And we know now that the Black Panther... Or at least the Dormelage are very interested in getting in killing Zemo for killing <laughs> T'Chaka all those years yeah. ago. Which Imagine. makes complete sense. I, I, say, yeah. I don't blame them. <laughs> Honestly, that might have just factored it into Bucky's original plan. Like, oh, if we break him out, so <laughs> we, 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 we just put him on the chopping block for we other We get people. his assistance and then we get him killed and now I'm free. This is great. Like I, this yeah. is her name is Io. The character's name is Io. Uh, I, that is the other thing that I wanted to bring up. As much as I loved this episode, the breaking out of Zemo. When did Bucky get the 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 card into the book? That like I don't know if I missed it, but he just said, "Hey, what's that book you're reading over there?" And like he picked up Machiavelli, and like was like, "Yeah, that makes sense that he would be reading that." But <laughs> then all of a sudden, the card was in the book. I was like, "Well, when did that happen?" Like I, I had no idea. I, th- there were like four different jumps in that moment. If anybody has an idea for this, say it before I make an ass out of myself. <laughs> but there are like four different things that had to have happened in that scene. If you were to take either direction of he put something in there or that got out to him, that never happened. Yeah. Uh, the way I interpreted that scene as the Bucky kind of knew already that Simo had like an escape plan. Yeah. And the was already in there from before and he was just like okay this is the time that we need you to bust out of here because we need you for this specific reason and yeah. i guess counted so, on the fact that zemo was going to want to come along for that but so you're saying <laughs> zemo had already had the the key card from before and bucky yeah. just also knowing how to escape things knew exactly how zemo was going to escape by by i didn't think he had the key card I I assume oh, I was with John. I assumed Zemo had yeah. the key card, and Bucky was like, "I know you've got a plan started." But, so, but Bucky's the one yeah. that that gave that note to the guy playing so, chess. Mm-hmm. I will give you the opening that you're required. That was his only role in that whole escape. I'm pretty I'm sure it was Zemo. Yeah, Zemo his only what? role for you was to that gave the little note. Yeah. Was it? I thought it was Bucky. He, he no, Bucky gave. Yeah, I thought it was Bucky. It was Bucky, Bucky and Sam as they were be, as they were walking away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Bucky gave the note. Zemo, I'm sure, possibly gave him the note, though. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. But from what I took was how the whole thing went. It was clear to me Zemo had planned the whole thing. He already had it planned for weeks. He just needed a, he needed assistance he, with the catalyst. He, he was waiting for his opening. Yeah. 
that was literally all he needed was Bucky to drop a paper off and leave. That was it. Because Bucky didn't help later on or anything. He got out on his own, technically. <clears throat> well, he, he would have already had to have told him where to meet him at and everything. So mm-hmm. I do agree with that one. I just yeah. don't know how he gave that to him or vice versa. Like, I don't know how the handoff of an object happened. <laughs> I just, I, I'm just saying it was it, it was all a very cool sequence, but I have no idea how it, it actually fell into play. Yeah. <laughs> and that was my biggest issue with that with that scene. Um, okay. The scene opens with Zemo opening Machiavelli, and the key's already in there. Right. It looked like a bookmark to me. It didn't look like a key. And it, I just assumed I, I guess that, that was. Bucky got that to the person giving out books, and then gave the book to Zemo. That's how I interpreted it. Oh, see, and I interpreted it Zemo was already starting the plans to escape. Yeah. It it was Bucky that passed off the note, though. That part I was incorrect about. Okay. I just... It, see, this is going to be impossible to pull off. They're not letting people send things to people in prisons with books anymore. It's getting real complicated. No one's going to get out of jail like this. But he did, and surprisingly enough, they didn't like freeze. Like the world's court didn't freeze his accounts or anything. He still got money uh, and mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, except he notes that it's family, so his assets are probably frozen. But he's utilizing family assets. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't think there's well, anybody left in the family, like- but <laughs> there is probably a distant cousin somewhere. Uh-oh. He's also a criminal, so he probably knows how to hide money That's from fair. the government. That's fair. <laughs> well, no, more importantly, he's rich. He knows how to hide money from the government. It's also <laughs> true. I know where he got this money. He's he he's responsible for the the light beer Zima. It's a family. Uh, it's a family company. Yeah. Well, I mean, he his government no longer exists, and Sokovia is gone. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he did, he, he did mention that um, uh, that there's a memorial that neither Buck or Sam have gone to. So soon we're going to go see that at some point. Does anybody recognize the Zemo's butler? Like he, the actor looked very familiar to me. <laughs> I could not place him though. Mm-mm. I got Is nothing. It the same butler as Spider Man too. Was it? It. I keep. No, I'm just joking. Oh. No. <laughs> I mean it. it kind of reminded me of it so that's why i was like did he did he look familiar uh okay it's just the old butler trope i mean yep. yeah it's very much mm-hmm. what jarvis is supposed to look like woodhouse woodhouse yeah yeah that's true um okay anything else anybody would like to bring up because like i said it was a i thought it was a great episode <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't think it's tied to the episode but i mean i have a, a nice short film suggestion for people <laughs> Oh, yeah? Okay, go for it. Yeah, there's a, a four-minute short film. Uh, it's channel Dust. Uh, I think it was... I'm not trying to find the name here, but the, it, it's just called Floaters. It's nice. It's like four minutes long. It's funny. Have a good time. Okay. Huh. Mm-hmm. I did want to bring up that, um, although I liked all of the guy-centric stuff, I was really surprised, A, that we got Sharon Carter that this is what she's doing and that like they did such a good job of portraying her as both being kind of like sassy boss girl, but also a little bit bitter about the whole situation, like all wrapped into one. 
mm-hmm. uh, like like you could tell she's kind of stewing under the surface of like these two just parading around the states like all willy nilly, and like that first line she has where it's like, "Remember, I got busted for you know stealing your wings to save his ass from the other guy's ass or whatever." <laughs> she said about that. And how she's like walking around like super comfortable in her home with like, yeah, you guys are just a bunch of a holes like. Yeah. But like still I don't know, the way she just plays that whole thing is like so removed from um like going back to her previous appearances, she almost doesn't really have a personality. She's just there to fulfill a function. And here she's like a more fleshed out character, which is also true for Zemo. But like I like that how they did that with her too. It's like she's not taking any shit anymore. And it's just really fun to watch that. Mm-hmm. I mean I definitely I would have to assume that Sharon did not go away in the blip like she did yeah. in the snap yeah. she's so, still exi- she was still around which would made it much easier for steel stuff I would assume yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the world's yeah. in shambles yeah. Um, yeah. so just just to follow up the actor who played the 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 butler was Nicholas Pryor we all watched him in uh, The Outsider <laughs> he played a character <laughs> named Peter Maitland oh. uh, it, but I I know him as Tom Cruise's dad in Risky Business, so that's that's where I recognized him from. So there you go. There we go. I forgot about that show. <laughs> if anybody else has an opinion on this episode or any of the things we watched this week, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for Geekly Media. Steve, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as some variation of Peppermint Gentleman. Uh, for Twitter, it's Peppermint Gent for short. Jessica? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as J.M. Bailey Writes. John? You can find me on all social media with no variations at Magic Bollocks. Elizabeth? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geeklymedia.com. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash geeklymedia for exclusive material that you can only get if you're one of our patrons. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.